0: Thanks Kim boy there, there are a bunch of them which is <laughs> one of the reasons why she needs some help um, you no know, it is it is fun there's a lot of really exciting things happening at suburban I mean and, and even you know we, we talk about those three C's you know getting connected to the church so we have programs for youth and and uh, you know, for kids where they can plug in and get connected, you know, so that's one way to do that. But also there are opportunities to serve, that's another way that we connect. So I don't know if you saw that, but the, the picture of the students at the MU bowling, a lot of our adults and college students volunteer with our high school and middle school students. A lot of our high school and middle school students volunteer with the kids, and even the fifth graders serve, You know, and the high school students are helping out with preschool and the nursery. The nursery kids, they're not really doing much of anything. I mean, they're not, actually, they're, <laughs> Come to think of it, they're not really pulling their weight around here. We should probably work on that. Um, but it, it is. It's, we want people to find their place where they can receive and also they contribute. And it's just exciting to see how God is doing that. Um, okay, so one of the things that Christians believe is that God still speaks to us today. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you hear heard that line. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know that. But really, I mean, just stop and think about it for a second. We believe that God still speaks to us today. We believe that the God who created the universe and who holds all of this together by his power has something that he wants to say to each one of us today. And and if we believe that that is true, that God is still speaking, then it seems like learning how to hear his voice and discern what he's saying, that seems like it should be a pretty high priority for us, right? Um, But God still speaks today, but we all know that hearing God's voice isn't quite as easy as that sounds. So, for example, you know, in our house, if my kids are in the next room and one of them wants to get my attention, they can just yell and, like, my ears actually physically hear their voice. It's easy to hear what they want to say to me. But that doesn't seem to be God's normal way of speaking to us. Like, I have yet to hear God audibly say, you know, Michael, and, you know, actually hear his voice. So hearing what God is saying is important, but it's not always easy. Um, And one of the reasons that I think that it's not always easy is that we've probably all had experience with people who have claimed to have heard God's voice at times, but they clearly have gotten it wrong, right? So it's a little like, I don't know. I mean, think about all the different people over the years who have said, you know, God has told me what day Jesus is coming back or when the world is going to end. And, you know, all those days have come and gone, and we're still here. So there's some, some hesitancy in this, like, you know, well, boy, what if I think I'm hearing God's voice, but I get it wrong? The other reason why I think this is a complicated topic is that sometimes we've had a real negative personal experience with this. I mean, we probably know people or maybe we've experienced what happens when somebody, maybe it's a, a parent or a pastor or a friend, claims to have heard something from God that's a word for us, but they end up just kind of using that word as, as a weapon to beat us with. I mean, I, I know enough of you and enough of your stories to know that that's been the experience that a lot of people have had. I mean, I remember for me when I was in college, um, this is before I ever met Martha, but I was dating this girl. I'd never met her parents, and her parents hated me. Like, they never, met. yeah, I know you're thinking, how? I mean, <laughs> really, right? <laughs> well, it's not the love. No, but, like, they hated me, and I had, I had no idea why they hated me until eventually this story comes out. Now, she's one of, the girl I'm dating is one of three daughters. So about six months before I started dating her, the mom had had a dream where she felt like God had told her that one day somebody was going to come into the lives of one of her daughters who would be bad news for them. Yeah, I know, right? So when we started dating, she just assumed that that was me. So the, the one and only time I remember meeting them, she actually, mom came up to me and she said, I've heard from God that you're bad news. He wants you to break up with our daughter. And it's funny now, but like as a 20-year-old who was trying to figure out like, how does this whole Bible thing work? And does God really, like it, I was really confused by that. And it made me really gun shy whenever people were like, well, I've heard God saying something. I'm like, I don't know about that, um, so again, we really do believe that God speaks to us today, and hearing his voice is important, but it's not always easy, and the stakes for ourselves and others are really high if we get it wrong. So where does that leave us? I mean, as best I can see, it leaves us with kind of two options. Option one is that we can say, you know, this whole question of learning to hear God's voice, that is above my pay grade. So we're just, we're just not going to go down that road. We're going to do a sermon series on the book of Luke or something like that, and we'll just move on. Um, But if we believe that God speaks to us and if we believe that discerning and learning how to hear his voice is important, I I don't think we can do that. So we're going to go for option two, uh, which is where we're going to spend the next few weeks really digging into this topic and giving it the, the prayerful attention that it deserves. Because while it isn't always easy, we do believe that God's word and his spirit can help us do it well. So as we prepare to dig into this, I want to invite you to turn with me in the Bible to Genesis chapter 28. Uh, If it would help you for any reason, there's some red Bibles in those seats in front of you. You can grab one and turn it to the page number on the screen. But as you're turning there, I want to just uh, talk a little bit about why we're doing this series and why we're doing it now. Um, So we are in a season in the church's life which is known as Lent, right? These weeks that move up towards Easter. And if you were with us at Suburban a year ago, a year ago as we were moving up towards Easter, we engaged in a sermon series called How to Pray. Like one of the things, in fact, Diane was talking about this, one of the things that we really stress here at Suburban is we want to encourage everybody to identify and develop a personal rhythm of spiritual practices and activities and relationships that help them stay rooted to the power and presence of God. And because that's a real priority for us, we spend time every year talking and teaching about what some of these practices are in the hopes that maybe people can learn about them and begin to engage in them more regularly in their lives. So a year ago we talked about this idea of prayer. And in a real sense, this sermon series, it's kind of like part two of that series, right? So, you know, prayer, a lot of that is us talking to God. But if we believe that he has something to say back, how do we learn to listen? How do we learn to hear about that? And if you remember, if you were here a year ago, as part of that series, there was a book that we encouraged people to read. It was called How to Pray. It was written by a British pastor named Pete Gregg. And he actually has a book that's come out recently called, no surprise, How to Hear God. So if reading through that book was helpful, or if you think maybe getting a copy of this book and reading it along with this series would be a help to you to to engage in this material, I would encourage you to do that. I've read through the book and thought it was a really helpful approach to things. Um, okay, but how'd you turn to Genesis 28. There's actually just one verse in Genesis 20, wait, 20, 20, wait, 28 that I want you to look at. But before we get there, I need to kind of set the scene for you. So I've got to try to picture this, okay? So there is a man who's literally running for his life. Uh, earlier that day, he double-crossed his brother and his dad, and he knows they're angry, angry enough that they want to kill him. So he, just knowing that they're going to come for him, he just drops everything and, and runs. He runs into the desert. He's just trying to get away. He, he imagines that they're back there, you know, getting together a posse of some friends who are going to come after him. So he spends a whole day running, and he gets as far away from town and people and civilization as he can imagine. My guess is all day he's been kind of looking back over his shoulder, wondering, are they coming? And as night falls, he finds a a safe spot. He's kind of way up in these barren mountains. And he looks around from this high up spot, and there's just nothing there, right? You know, there's no dust cloud on the horizon indicating somebody's following him. He's completely alone. So he feels safe enough to, to drop to the ground and go to sleep. And as he sleeps, he has this dream where God speaks to him. And in the midst of this, like, incredibly desperate situation, God speaks a word of promise and a word of hope to him. And it's after hearing that word of hope that this man, who we know as the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, he wakes up. And what he says is so remarkable, right? He wakes up and he looks around, and physically nothing's changed, right? He's still out in the middle of nowhere. But look at what he says in verse 16. He says, God was in this place, and I, I did not know. I mean, think about that line for a second. God was in this place, and I did not know, right? God showed up and spoke even in a place where Jacob never expected to see him, right? Jacob learned that you can't outrun the voice of God, right? If God has something to say to you, he's going to find you. He's going to speak to you. And it doesn't matter where you go, God can still speak to you there. I mean, notice, like, Jacob is not in a particularly holy place. Like, he's not at a shrine or a temple or a church or anything like that. He's in the middle of nowhere. And one of the things that I think this story points out to us is that God speaks to many different people, in many different ways in many different kinds of places and really i think that's where any discussion of hearing god's voice today has to start with this understanding that god is infinitely creative and he can speak in all sorts of different ways in fact, if you just sort of read through the Bible start to finish, you realize that it's, it's like a, a record of God speaking in all sorts of different ways and different things. In fact, last week we finished a teaching series working through the book of Hebrews. And I just want to remind you of how the book of Hebrews itself starts. Like, the very first verse says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, right? In the past, God's spoken all sorts of different ways, prophets, miracles, these incredible events. He says, but now he's spoken in in, in sort of a full and very complete way through his son. And that's absolutely how Jesus understood his life. At one point, Jesus is preaching and he says, anybody who has seen me has seen the father, right? So when we read the stories of Jesus' life, when we read the words that he taught, we really can believe that we are in, in a real way, we are hearing the voice of God to us through the example and the teachings of Jesus, Um, So he speaks in all these different ways, but Scripture also shows that God speaks to people sometimes in dreams, like Jacob, or he speaks through the the, kind of the prompting, the whisper of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart, as happens with Paul on occasion. And Paul reminds us that one of the primary ways that God still speaks to us is through Scripture, right? He says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness. So God has all these different ways that he can reach out to us and speak to us, which really shouldn't surprise us when we stop and think about God. I mean, think about just the, the creativity that we see in the natural world around us. I don't know if you guys know this, but did you know that there are over 17,000 kinds of butterflies, different species of butterflies? Or here's, here's one that really surprised me. There are 10,000 kinds of ferns. Now, I mean, I like ferns. I think they're great. But when I look at a fern, I think, you know, five kinds probably would have been plenty. I mean, do you really need 10,000 different kinds of ferns? Like, but... But these are just little examples, right? If God can create 10,000 kinds of ferns and 17,000 kinds of butterflies, it's not a surprise that when he chooses to speak, he might decide to do that in a lot of different ways. And so that's a big thing that we need to remember when we're learning to hear God's voice. God is God, and he can communicate in whatever way he chooses to do so. So we need to be open to hearing his voice in a variety of ways and not limiting how he might want to speak to us today. Um, but also, while it's true that God absolutely can and does speak in all sorts of these different ways, he also has, you know, a few ways that are like his, his go-to moves when it comes to communicating, his primary ways of communicating with us. And the most helpful way that I've found to think about this is by thinking about the ice cream aisle at the supermarket. Okay, so if you go to the, any supermarket, you go to the ice cream aisle, you think about a brand like Umpqua, right? No matter when you go, you will always be able to find some flavors of Umpqua, right? Vanilla, chocolate, cookies and cream, they make them all year round, you can always find them. But there are other flavors that don't show up all the time, right? Like eggnog or peppermint, like you got to be in the right place at the right time to have that. And again, it's kind of a dumb analogy, but it applies. Right? God may not always choose to speak to you through a dream like he did Jacob on a regular basis right that's like the I don't know the eggnog of ice cream or something like that but there absolutely are some ways that God consistently always speaks to all people right he's always speaking to us through the words of scripture right? he always speaks to us through the example of Jesus in his life He always speaks to us through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. And and that's what we're going to be focusing on in the next three weeks in this series. So next week, uh, Cass is going to be preaching about the way that the Holy Spirit helps us hear God's voice today. Uh, The following week, Randy is going to be preaching about how we can learn really to hear God's word through the written word of the Bible, how he speaks to us today through that. And then the last week in the series, Chris White, our executive pastor, is going to talk about how we can hear God speak to us today through Jesus, right? The word who took on flesh and lived among us. And because God speaks in all these different ways, that's why I wanted to start, at least by referring, start this series by referring back to that story about Jacob. Because it reminds us that it highlights the importance of remembering that God is always present, right? God is always active, even when we don't see it. Right, just because we don't expect God to show up in a certain place or speak in a certain way at a certain time, it doesn't mean that his voice isn't there. You know, often, God is speaking, and, and from our limited human perspective, we just, we just don't hear it. Or we get so busy with things that just the noise of our lives drowns it out, and we can't hear what he's trying to say. And what I want to do now is I want to show you my, my very favorite example in the entire Bible of one of these times where God shows up and speaks in an unexpected way. And to get there, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts 17. Again, we'll put the, the red Bible page number up on the screen if it helps. But this is a story from the life of Paul, who was an early Christian leader. Uh, and it really reminds us that we, we absolutely can hear God speak in unexpected places if we've got our radar up to hear it. Um, So in Acts 17, uh, Paul is in the Greek city of Athens. He's actually, he's been traveling with some friends. They get separated. So Paul goes on to Athens, and he has a little bit of time to kill because he's waiting for his friends to come before they move on together. And he begins to explore the city. He's, you know, he's got some time. So verse 16 tells us this. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So Paul, as he's wandered around the city, Athens at the time, there's just just statues to gods everywhere. You know, you got Zeus and, you know, all over the place. And in fact, the the people of Athens, they were so conscientious, they didn't want to leave anybody out. They actually thought, okay, what if there's a god out there and we just don't know him yet and we haven't made it up? So there's a statue in the city that's labeled to an unknown god. Like, they're like, we just want to make sure that our bases are covered. We don't want to accidentally offend a god we don't know about by leaving him out. So they have this to an unknown god statue. And Paul sees that and uses that statue as a sort of the starting point in a sermon that he's preaching to tell them about Jesus. So here's, here's what it says. In verse 22, says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, which is just this place where people would gather to discuss the big questions, the big ideas of life. And he said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. In other words, like people of Athens, your sense that there may be another God out there that you weren't aware of, you are right on the money with that. And now I'm going to introduce you all to him, okay? So he goes on. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For we, in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring." Now here's where I think this gets really interesting. So those, those two lines there at the end that are set off with the quotation marks, those are not original to Paul. Paul is actually quoting two different first century poets, a guy named Epimenides and a guy named Eridus. This is Eridus here, it looks like he'd be a lot of fun at parties. Um, but he, what he does, He's, he's taking these lines that were written by these poets, and he just grabs these lines out of the context of their poem, and he uses them as a way to engage his audience and pull them into a sermon that's leading them back to the one true God. Now, these poets, they weren't Christian poets, but Paul saw glimpses of truth in their writing. He was able to hear the whispers of God's voice in the words that they wrote, and, and so he quotes them. And he knows that the audience appreciates these poets. He values them. So he finds this little point of connection where God is already speaking in a way to his audience, and he uses that as a bridge to bring people back to God. And I think it's really important to notice here that Paul does not just accept absolutely everything that these poets say. saying, oh, well, that's what God's speaking to us today. I mean, that's why I pointed out earlier that verse in in verse 16 where it talked about how Paul was greatly distressed uh, about the false gods that were being worshiped. Well, the second line that Paul quotes, that line where he says, uh, for we are his offspring, so that is from a poem called Phenomena that was written by Eratus. But Phenomena is actually a poem that was written to Zeus. It starts out with this prayer to Zeus, right? Zeus, the the, the king of the Greek gods, the god of thunder, or something like that. And again, for Paul, worshipping Zeus is idolatry, which is the very thing that distressed him as he walked around the city. And think about this. Think about what's happening here. So for Eretus, when he wrote that poem and he says, for we are his offspring, he was talking about zeus and paul does not believe that we are zeus's offspring so he basically discards that piece of it but he grabs onto this one little piece that he knows is true this idea that that humans have been created by and owe our allegiance to a powerful god so he takes that one single line and he uses it to take people back to the truth of god that's found in the bible paul notices this area where god's at work And he uses it to pull people back to scripture and the full truth of who God really is. So one pastor who was talking about what Paul does in this story says this. He talked about how Paul got to the point where he could do this. He said, Paul's years of studying the scriptures and learning to hear the voice of God have brought him to this extraordinary place in which he can trace the whisper of God in a pagan text amid a culture that's littered with idolatrous shrines. In in many ways, that is the goal of this series. It it is for all of us to grow in our ability to truly hear God's voice in, in the normal ways, the vanilla ice cream of how he talks to us, right? His word and Jesus and the spirit. And we get so good at hearing and discerning his voice in those ways that we develop the ability to accurately hear his voice when God might choose to speak to us in other ways. Again, the same pastor talking about that passage said that it's by learning to hear God in the sermon on Sunday that we begin to hear his voice in the news on Monday. I mean, think about it, right? We watch a film, and and sometimes something in it just stirs us to pray or to praise God. Or we listen to a song, and and something about the melody or about the lyrics, it it points us to God's truth. One of the things I think this story reminds us of is that there is absolutely no aspect of this world through which God cannot speak if he chooses to do so. Like, we can decide to put God in a box and say, you know, he only shows up at 10.30 on Sunday morning in the church building, but God is not going to stay there, right? He has embedded his story and his truth in all kinds of places, and that is an idea that Scripture as a whole really supports, right? The book of Proverbs says this. It says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, and God's truth and his wisdom are out there. He's at work everywhere in our world. If we only have the eyes to see it, if only we can learn to hear and discern that his voice and these glimpses of his grace in those things. So, I want to give you two kind of final thoughts when it comes to this idea of learning to hear God's voice in unexpected places. And the first is that this always requires discernment on our part. We have to discern if what we are hearing from God, what we think we're hearing, is consistent with Scripture. And that's exactly what Paul did, right? I mean, Paul didn't just take these Greek poems as a whole and be like, I think this is what God's saying to us today because he knew that the culture that produced them was a mixed bag. So Paul had to take that poem and hold it up against everything that's taught in the clear teachings of Scripture because Paul knew that any new word from God is not going to contradict the word that we've already given us in Scripture. So which is why Paul tosses out all that stuff about Zeus because he knows the Bible teaches that idolatry is wrong. But he keeps that nugget of truth that we were created by a God, that we owe our allegiance to this God. And he says, okay, that's something we can work with. And, you know, what was true for Paul is absolutely true for us today as well. Anything that we feel like we hear God speaking to us today is not going to contradict what he has already spoken to us through the Bible, which is why you've got to be really careful when people come along and they're like, God told me when the world is going to end. Because scripture very clearly says that nobody, not even Jesus, knows the day or the hour when it's going to happen, right? Scriptures always our only perfect rule for faith and doctrine and conduct. But there is this tension that we live in, right? Because we firmly believe God can speak anywhere, right? It's like the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins said that Christ plays in 10,000 places, right? We see him everywhere when we have eyes to see it. But we also have to do this discerning work like that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. He says, you know, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive those thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. This is true of anything that we feel like we are hearing from God in any way. We have to do the work to discern if it's consistent with what God has already clearly and plainly revealed to us in the Bible. So that's just baseline for the rest of the series. We've always got to do that. But the second thing I want to point out is why I think it's important For us to learn more about how we can hear from god because i really believe that the better we are at hearing from god when he speaks to us the better able we are to help other people hear him speak including people who don't know him yet Again, let's go back to to Paul's example in Athens, right? Paul knew the people in Athens, they were asking the big questions, right? He says that, you know, they're all philosophers. They just sort of debate the big questions of life all day. Who are we? Why do we exist? How do you find the good life? What is the good life? And Paul knew that the only true and fulfilling answer to those questions is found in the God who's revealed in the Bible. So he goes to where people are in the culture. He looks at the questions that they're asking, and he uses the whispers of God's voice that are already speaking to them, as a touchpoint to build on, to bring them back to the full truth of God that we find in Scripture. God still speaks today, and he's not just speaking to those of us who have already made a decision to follow him. God wants all people to hear his voice, to understand the offer of grace and forgiveness that he gives us, and to respond to him. And I believe that as we grow in our ability to hear God's voice, we will also grow in our ability to help other people hear his voice as well. It's what God did through Paul, and it's what I firmly believe God wants to do through us today. See, God is still speaking, but are we listening? That's the bigger question. Jesus had a a catchphrase. There's a, a line that Jesus uses about a dozen times in his ministry after he does a teaching or he tells a story. He'll often say this. He'll say, whoever has ears, let them hear. I love the way the message paraphrase puts that line. It says, are you listening? Really listening? I mean, that's what Jesus is getting at. Are you really listening to what I am saying? And that's the question for us and the goal in this series. My hope is that over the coming weeks, we can really grow in our ability to listen for God's voice and to hear what he's saying and then to respond in faithful, courageous obedience to whatever that is in just a moment we're going to pray and we're going to sing a final song together and as the musicians come out and prepare to lead us in that there's one resource that i want to make you all aware of if this is not something you're familiar with so there's an app called lexio 365 that's l-e-c-t-i-o it's actually produced by an organization that pete greg the uh, the guy that wrote that book helped find found find found, found anyway i'm running out of words but hang with me we're almost there okay so this is an app that uh each day They come out with two sort of guided prayer experiences that are really based on and rooted in Scripture. They're about less than 10 minutes long for the most part, but there's kind of one for the morning and one for the evening. And if you are looking for ways to incorporate uh, prayer that's really centered on Scripture and provide space for you to try to listen, to hear what God is saying, I would encourage you this week to download this app and give it a try. Uh, I use this app most days, and it's been really helpful to me as far as that, my own sort of personal rhythm of spiritual practices. So I, just, I give that to you as an option for you to explore. If you try it out and it's helpful to you, wonderful. If not, feel free not to use it, right? There's lots of other ways and other ways to engage in prayer. I just wanted to make you aware of that if you weren't already. So with that in mind, uh, let's prepare to sing as we pray. So God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come together and, and just trusting that you still have something that you want to say to us today. That you know, I think about what Kai was saying as she set up communion, right? It, 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 you, you love us. You love us. You loved us before you sent your son to die for us. And God, I, I just think about like when I fell in love with my wife, I wanted to talk to her all the stinking time, right? I was calling her. I was emailing her. And God, we believe because of the love you have for us, you still want to speak into our life, providing words of encouragement or correction or challenge or hope. So my prayer is that over these next few weeks, you will help us truly learn to hear your voice. And for some of us, that may even just start with believing, choosing to believe that you actually have something you want to say to us today. So Lord, as we move forward in this series, would you give us ears to hear what you want to say? And then would you give us the strength and courage to respond when you speak to us?